Our scripture text today comes from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 43, verses 18 and 19. Do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. I'm about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be in the spirit of prayer with me for a moment. Holy God, we come today with open hearts and minds, inching forward to hear a word for our lives. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, my rock and redeemer. Amen. Last spring, our church council, our staff, and our leadership cultivation committee had a retreat to identify a goal that could frame the next 18 months of our lives together. Through a process of imagination and helpful struggle, the vision came into focus. The vision was joyful experiments with just peace. Now, some of you might not be familiar with the term just peace. It is the newest covenant that was added to our identity here at FCC in 2017. In the United Church of Christ, just peace is a coined term that describes a 30-year-old movement. You see, back in 1981, there were only three models for conflict resolution, pacifism, just war theory, and crusade. And none of those options seemed to capture the UCC's prophetic commitment to a just world for all. Former UCC President Robert Moss wrote, in our kind of world, war has become dysfunctional. We now need to put as much effort into defining a just peace as we have done in the past in defining a just war. And that's what the UCC did. They defined just peace as the call to alleviate systemic injustice of all kinds using nonviolence, grounded in the hope that peace is possible. Peace is possible. This is either a foolish or a faithful thing to proclaim, especially at a time when the Vietnam War was a recent memory, the Cold War was nearing its peak, and the nuclear arms race was recognized as an existential threat to all of creation. Yet the UCC had the audacity to conduct this joyful experiment with just peace. The UCC affirmed a bold new model for addressing issues of violence in our world. I believe we are called to know less today. At FCC, we will carry this audacity into the future as we have in the past. It was no small feat for our church in a conservative military town to take on just peace. Our commitments to nonviolence and justice will only deepen the work that this church has already been doing. But first, it is recommended 
to spend some intentional time with just peace before implementing it. In this process of discernment, joyful experiments will be the mechanism to help us sink this just peace into the DNA of who we are as church. Through curious observation and questions, we will take measured risks, playfully test ideas, look at the results, and make honest conclusions. We will wonder what just peace looks like in our homes, in our world, and yes, in our congregational meetings, too. Most likely, we will need some new tools. Tools like nonviolent communication and the transformative personal work of the Enneagram so that we can engage one another in compassionate ways. By next summer, just peace will feel like an isness, a way of life together. We will be able to articulate our just peace identity with ease and begin to engage in just peace practices that are life affirming. Now, I, I don't want to sugarcoat this whole thing. Matter of fact, joyful experiments with just peace should come with a warning label and safety goggles for everyone. Change is coming. And let's be honest, not many of us like change. Mixing things up gives us uncomfortable feelings of uncertainty, anxiety, and loss. But our leadership is committed to the idea that failure is a must this year. We will learn that not everything can be perfect, but everything can be better. And the good news is that these temporal experiments will help us practice our just peace tools in the safety of this laboratory of church. Every challenge, whether it's real or experimental, is an opportunity for our own personal and collective growth. Still, many of us can't envision what just peace looks like in real time and on the ground. And I couldn't help but to think of two very different stories, two illustrations of just peace as we enter these 18 months of discernment together. Most of you are familiar with Colin Kaepernick's story. Kaepernick used his NFL status to shine a light onto the racist systems that cost black and brown people their lives. His nonviolent direct action of taking a knee during the national anthem has unearthed lots of fear and anger, and ultimately, he has sacrificed his career. But this is how complex just peace can get. One person's nonviolent protest can offend and disrupt another person's status quo. Shane Claiborne wrote about the complexities of peace building in his book entitled Common Prayer a liturgy for ordinary radicals. He wrote this, true peace does not exist until there is justice, restoration, forgiveness. Peacemaking doesn't mean passivity. It is the act of interrupting injustice without mirroring injustice. The act of disarming evil without destroying the evildoer. The act of finding a third way that is neither fight nor flight, but the careful, arduous pursuit of reconciliation and justice. It is about a revolution of a love that is big enough to set both the oppressed and the oppressor free. I remember saying to someone last year that Kaepernick's time of redemption will come. This week, some people believe that time has come in the form of a Nike ad with the tagline of 
believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. Listen, I am not a Nike fan. Not at all. They have been on the wrong side of justice for decades with their use of sweatshop labor. And they have silenced protests of the infringement of human rights within the fashion industry. But here's, here's the rub. If I'm going to take just peace seriously, I must also entertain the uncomfortable idea that one person's status quo can disrupt another person's liberal smugness. When we joyfully experiment with just peace, we must be open to complexities and nuance. The hard to swallow truth is this. Nike knows how to sell dreams and Colin Kaepernick has one. I trust that Kaepernick is savvy enough to know that a platform for racial justice can also sell shoes. And when I'm curious about the complexities of that, all of a sudden I've got questions. Like, can you imagine what it was like in those boardrooms with Kaepernick and Nike executives? I wonder if the conversations were all about the bottom line, or was there just peace dialogue too? Is Nike using activism to sell their products? And does it matter if this important message is getting out? Is God redeeming more than an NFL player in this moment? Because if so, I don't want to miss it. The other story I thought about this week might be less familiar. As a young woman, Traudel Jung wanted to be a dancer, so she moved to Berlin. While she was there, she entered a typing competition and was chosen as Adolf Hitler's personal secretary. From December 1942 until April 30th, 1945, when she heard the gunshots of Hitler's suicide in his Berlin bunker, Traudel conversed every day with one of the worst psychopaths in human history. Later, she was racked by guilt for her collusion in the Nazi atrocities and for enjoying the company of the greatest criminal to have ever lived. I deliberately ignored all the warning voices inside me, she said in an interview. The tragedy of Traudel Young was not just her complicity. The tragedy was also that for 57 years, she was trapped by her past full of self-recrimination. We can only imagine her struggle to sense any forgiveness from God, from her fellow citizens, or from the families of six million Jews who were slaughtered in the Holocaust. Fixated on her past, she suffered from severe depression, which effectively foreclosed her present and her future. The prophet Isaiah offers us something that Troutel could not receive. Do not remember the former things, or consider the things of old. I am about to do a new thing. Each one of us has a past that shapes who we are for good and for ill. Many of us can't let go of the painful memories that chain us, chain us to regrets and sins and foolish choices, betrayals, resentments, and roads not taken. 
when we joyfully experiment with empathy and tenderness for the human condition, we must include ourselves in that as well. Here is where we turn just peace inward. With all of the genuine honesty that we can muster, we can name our past for what it is, take a knee for our deepest childhood wounds, stand in solidarity with what we need, and have the audacity to believe that inner peace is possible too. And with that same dose of curiosity for complexity, we ask questions. What are the facts of my past? How do I feel about it now? What are my unmet needs? And what requests can I make so that healing can take place? The sly punchline of the Isaiah text is that the new thing that Yahweh does is in fact Yahweh's old thing. When we practice just peace with ourselves, we clear the path for what God can do. The gospel tells us over and over that God redeems and uses all things for good. That old thing always feels new. Right before Troutel Jung died at the age of 81, she freed herself from the prison of her silence and told her story in a documentary entitled Blind Spot. Sadly, Troutel Jung died the evening that Blind Spot premiered at the 2002 Berlin Film Festival. The producer of the film was among the last people to speak to her. Now that I've let go of my story, she said, I can let go of my life. I wonder if letting go of formal things gave Troutel God's possible peace. I'm not going to lie, just peace is not the easy path. But we are not going about it alone. So adjust your safety goggles, friends, and hold on to your pew cushions. We are entering the laboratory of imagination and helpful struggle. Our just peace covenant with one another and with ourselves will transform us as a people so that we can see the bigger picture, do the next right thing right in front of us, and move with confident anticipation of God's brand new, glorious thing. May it be so, my loves. Amen.